Well, good morning, Get Well. So good to be here with you again today. I hope that you've been having a great week and a great weekend. Uh, but I know a lot of you, as we've been walking together, have had a very tough week and a tough weekend. And I'm grateful for those words that uh, we sang just a moment ago that are so very true, that the King is among us. And the Savior is absolutely for you and for me. And God is at work. And because God is at work and because God is king and because God is our Savior, he is creating a new way of being and he's created a new way for us to connect with one another that as followers of Jesus, we have a different kind of togetherness than what we see in the world. And we're exploring that together this entire month uh, through our series called Together. And we're walking through the book of Philippians. And we're asking the question, what does it look like for us as people of hope, as people who have uh, a faith in what God is doing to know that God is at work and God does for me what I cannot do for myself. Because of that truth that I hold on to, what does it look like for me to connect and be together with others in the church and in the world? And today we're wrestling with this question. You saw it up on the screen. What does it look like for me to care for others? I want to ask you this. What is it that most prevents us from really looking out for the people around us? What is it that at the end of the day really is the barrier between me and reaching out to the people around me to help them through the good times, the bad times, and everything in between? See, I don't think that the barrier is that we don't want to. I don't think the barrier is even that we don't try to. That we want to be there for others. We want to be able to help each other. I think that it just boils down to this one thing. And we're experiencing more and more and more as we see the, the brokenness and the hurting. And we see the fractured world that we live in. I think is that we're just so focused on ourselves and protecting ourselves. We see the, the dangers around us. We see the division around us. We see the strife around us. And we build those walls up around our lives to protect me from all the things out there. And the harder that we work at building those walls and the thicker those walls become, the harder it is, no matter how much we want to, the harder it is for us to care for one another. But Jesus has come that we would break down those walls that we don't have to try to protect ourselves because we have a God who is for us, who is among us. A God that can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And because of that, as we trust God, we can reach out and make ourselves vulnerable as we care for one another. And as we say yes to Jesus, something incredible begins to happen in us we begin to change and we begin to see clearly. In the early days of the church, when the, the church was just getting established, uh, the, the leaders of the church are often referred to as the church fathers who were trying to figure out, you know, what is the truth of Jesus' teaching, of who he was? What is the truth of scripture? And they were wrestling through all these things and they were leading us. And one of the things that they were trying to figure out is what is sin really look like? And there was a Latin word that they often used to talk about and describe sin. It was the word curvitas. And literally what that word referred to was to be curved in on ourselves. 
And they said that sin, really what it is, it boils down to, it's like we're walking around day after day staring at our own belly button. And that all that we can see are ourselves. It's like all I can see in the world is me, myself, and I. And I become the center of my universe, the focus of everything. What it does for me is the filter of what I see as good or bad or right or wrong. How many of us, if we were honest, could really relate to that? That the filter for what I see in the world is not truth, but it's me. And the early church father said that we've got to be able to trust our lives to God so that we can get our eyes off of us and get our eyes onto God, the King, our Savior, and to be able to get our eyes on others. And when we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and it gets our eyes off of ourselves. And something incredible begins, begins to happen. Number one is that we become aware that there is more to see in the world than me. And then we're given a desire to get our eyes off of ourselves and to get our eyes on God and to get our eyes on others. And then the Holy Spirit begins to enable us to see God clearly, to be able to see the world clearly, and to be able to give our lives to others. But what I want to explore today is what does that actually look like in our lives? When we have the desire and the ability because of the Holy Spirit at work in me to see God clearly and to look upon others, what does it look like for me to lift others up and to look out for the people around me? That's the topic of today. It's what Paul talks about in his letter to the Philippians in Philippians chapter two. That's where we're gonna land today. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 2, specifically, we're going to look at verses 2 through 11. So let's see what, what does Paul have to say as he's writing to the church in Philippi. He says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather... And humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Just pause for a second. How countercultural is that statement? How much does that hit in the face of the way that we live our lives, curved in on ourselves? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what was that mindset? Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What Paul is inviting us into at the very foundation, the core, is to get my eyes off of myself and to look beyond me. If there's anything right now in 2021 that God is calling his followers, he is calling the church to give themselves to, is to be able and to desire to look beyond ourselves. 
that we have a world that is divided and hurting and afraid and they're broken and the church is, the temptation for us is to get into our little holy huddle and be, everything's okay with us and we're all right and we love each other while the world is looking for some hope. And Jesus is calling us to look beyond ourselves and to point others to something greater than themselves, to a worth and a value that can be found in a God who is for them and loves them. If you're taking notes, here's what I want us to see. Because of Jesus, I can point others to their value. How true is that? So when we say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to change us begins to change our outlook, begins to change our desires, begins to give us the ability to actually follow Jesus. And over time, our lives actually begin to look like Jesus. That we're not just saved for heaven, but we're saved as heaven begins to live in me. I'm not just given a free ticket of forgiveness, but I, God begins to transform my heart and my mind. And I begin to look like Jesus. And what was the life of Jesus? We've talked about this a number of times. The life of Jesus can be described by one word, and it's the word compassion. That Jesus had a deep compassion for the people around him. If you look through the life of Jesus, through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus spent his life bestowing value on others. Every interaction he had whether he did what people were asking him to do or he did something different, every single interaction that Jesus had, he was saying to people, you matter to me, you matter to God, you have a value and a worth that cannot be touched, it cannot be marked, it cannot be taken away. And everybody that you ever meet, and, and us included, we are spending our days looking for value and worth. And God says to us, he's speaking to us this morning, church, if we will follow Christ, we will give ourselves to bestowing value on others. To be able to say, you matter to God and you matter to me. And that's critical. What does Paul say? Verses two through four, he says, don't live your life based on selfish ambition, but humbly, what? Give value to others. And then that, that statement that if we really, really look at it should hit us in the face like a ton of bricks. He says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. That it's not the, the, the filter for truth in the world and what you say yes to and what you say no to is not what's good for you, but what's good for others. That we humbly lift others up above ourselves. That we're not preoccupied with selves, but we look at others as being better. Now, this doesn't mean that we belittle ourselves. It doesn't mean that we beat ourselves up and, we, and we, we allow ourselves to be abused. It just means that our priority is to look for the value in others. Now, there is a great, great lie that is permeating the world and especially American culture today. And it's the lie that if I value others above myself, it necessarily means I'm devaluing me. But we've got to take that lie and throw it away. That we don't lift others up because we're not worthy. We lift others up because we know that we're already worthy and we already have value because there's a God who says, you matter to me.
And we live our lives not grasping for that worth and value, but we live our lives living from it because it's already there. That Jesus came 2,000 years ago and he gave his life for you and for me, not so that you could become valuable, but because you were already valuable to God the Father. That is a truth that we have to allow to become a foundation of our lives. That we don't earn our way into God's love, that God came to us because he already loved us. And we were already worthy and we already mattered to him, so much so that he gave his son. And we've got to flip our narrative around that we're not trying to make ourselves something, but we know that we already are. And we live out of that, bestowing worth and value to others. I'm already a child of God. You're already a son of the king. You're already a daughter of the Savior. And we live out of that. And because of that, we can embrace self-giving rather than self-preservation. But for a lot of us, I think that's a major shift in our mindset to not live of, of what's good for me and how do I protect me, but how do I give my life to others? How do I offer myself just the way Jesus did? And what was his mindset? He says, Christ gave himself by being very nature God. He didn't cling to it, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, giving his life in obedience. These verses 6 through 11 are what's called the Christ hymn. And in the early church, the first century of the church being developed, th this was most likely something that was already circulating among the churches. A description of who Jesus was and how he lived his life and what he was about. And Paul took this Christ hymn and he reminded the church of Philippi that this was what Jesus' life was about. And in verse 5, he says that we should have the same attitude, the, first, the same mindset. We talked about this word last week, the word phronean. It means the lens that we have on what, the way that we see life and what we live for. And Paul says you should have the same phronean, the same lens that Christ put on. And how did Jesus live his life? He was God. And he had every right to claim his, his authority and his privileges as God. But he did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his advantage. Literally, it says that he did not cling to it. He did not grasp to it. He didn't have a death grip on it. Instead, he let it go. He had his rights and he had his privileges, but he let it go in an act of love. Seeing us as better than himself, even though he was God. And some of, uh, many of us, myself included, so many days of our lives, maybe because of fear of what may happen, maybe because of insecurity, maybe just because of the, all the mess, rather than giving our lives and loosening that grip, we hold ever tightly to it. And God is calling us to let it go that we can serve others. See, following Jesus, because of Jesus, I can focus more on doing right than getting my rights. This is what Jesus did. Had every right as God, but instead he let it go. What would it look like for us in our lives if we changed our focus, we put on a lens that said, not what do I deserve, what is owed to me, what, what are my rights, but instead we, we ask the question, what is the right thing to do? 
How do I step toward Jesus today? Not just faking it or just acting like it, but really getting invested in the lives of others and caring for them. See, Jesus didn't just act like it. He didn't fake it. He put on the form of man. The word is morphe. It means a full essence. He truly became man. He truly humbled himself. He truly became nothing. He didn't just look like it. He truly became a servant to the world. And you and I, the key is not just to look like we care about others. I think sometimes if we're really honest, we care more about looking like we care about others than actually caring about others. We, we care more about having the, the appearance of being for others, that we're part of the group and we're on the social media and we're in the right movement and we're saying the right words and we don't want to be canceled by somebody and we want to appear like we care about others instead of really from our hearts getting invested and caring for the people around us. There's a very real difference from appearing like you care about others and really caring and serving and looking out for the people around us. If we want to make a change in the world we live in, we will begin to really care about the people around us. That like Jesus, who had every right, will let go of my rights to do the right thing. Now, I, I am so very grateful to live in America. I'm so very grateful to live in a country where we have our rights. But, but I'm a little fearful that sometimes that we turn our rights into a God. And because of the world we live in and the values that we hold, we care more about having our rights than in standing up for the rights of others. We get, care more about getting what I deserve and what's owed to me than giving my life to a God who holds the universe in his hands. We care more about clinging on to what I can do for myself than letting God do what only God could do for me. What would it look like for us to say, I don't want to focus on my rights. I want to focus on doing right and caring for others that I choose to be a servant. See, Jesus was not a victim. This is really important. This is key. His life was not taken from him. He gave his life. That is a key difference. And Jesus is not calling you to be a victim. He's not calling you to be abused. He's calling you to be a servant out of strength, out of the truth that God is for you and God is giving you life out of that foundation. Our life is not taken from us. We give our lives freely by choice, just as Jesus did, choosing to be a servant of others, just as Jesus did. Giving our lives to others just as he did. See, we need those boundaries. We need to protect ourselves at a certain extent. We don't need to be, allow ourselves to be abused. We need healthy boundaries, but we also need bridges in our lives. We need bridges where we create a pathway to get into the life of somebody else, to care for them, to meet a need, to love them, to bestow worth and value on them, to say, you matter to God and you matter to me. And you know, the cool thing about bridges is that they work both ways. As we create a path to care for somebody else, we're also creating a path to be cared for. That being together is not just a one-way thing, but there'll be times where somebody needs me and there's some times where I need somebody. And we talked about this last week that we show up week after week, not because we wanna get something out of the sermon or we wanna be touched by the, the, the worship service, but because I know that somewhere along the way, I need to be invested in the life of somebody because they're gonna need me and someday I'm gonna need them. 
And so we open ourselves up and we're vulnerable, trusting that God is at work. And we, we serve one another, not as victims, but as a, a choosing to be a servant. Not just building boundaries, but building bridges with one another. And we, and we trust in this, that as we do that, it's going to bring glory to God. It's going to lift up God because he, he loves it when his children love one another. Jesus said, the way that the world will know that you follow me is by the way you love each other. And God gets great, great glory when we follow him and we say yes to him in the way that we love each other, that we look out for each other, we, we care for one another, and we trust God to bring the outcome. So you're taking notes. Here's the last fill in the blank. This is because of Jesus, I can focus on loving and let God do the lifting. Focus on loving and let God do the lifting. Look at what happens with Christ. Verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus focused on obedient, loving and let his father do the lifting. He had the rights as God, but he let it go, trusting that God was for him. That yes, he was going to walk through a difficult season and it was going to take everything he had, but he trusted for the glory that was set before him, the joy that was set before him, because he knew that the Father was for him. So my, my heart has been breaking over these last couple of weeks as I see a world that is very intent on lifting themselves up. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm good, you're bad. I'm in, you're out. Focused on my rights. And you do what's right for you and I'll do what's right for me. And it's even creeping its way into the church. That, that what we see in the world is the church seems to be marked by people in division and fighting with one another rather than unified in the mission and caring for one another. And we look for ways to be divided against each other instead of focusing on the one thing that unites us, which is the love of Christ who was God, but he gave of himself that we could have new life. What would it look like for us to stop trying to lift ourselves up and our position and our opinion about whatever you want to call it, fill in the blank, whatever political issue is on your mind today, what would it look like for us to set that aside and say, rather than lifting up my opinion, I'm going to love one another. I'm going to love the people in my life and around me. I'm going to look for ways to love people, to lift them up, not focusing on my interests, but looking at others as better. And I, I truly believe that as we live our lives that way, God will do the lifting. And here's the, the reality, is that we're not created for glory anyway. None of us were created to receive glory. We were created to reflect the glory of God. That is the purpose of your life and mine. Not that you would be made much of, but that Jesus would be made much of. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. To what? To the glory of the Father. 
Not to the glory of you or me, but to the glory of the Father. We weren't created to receive glory anyway. It's not your right or my right to be lifted up. But God in his grace and in his love and his kindness lifts us up anyway. And so we lay down our lives, not as victims, but we choose it because of the life that God gives. Knowing that there's resurrection on the other side of the cross, we lay our lives down and we look out for one another and we stop standing on our positions and our attitudes and our opinions and we start standing on the firm foundation, which is Christ. And we look to others as better than ourselves. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is not a suggestion. If you're a follower of Jesus, we are commanded. Jesus said, if you will come after me, you will take up your cross daily. You will lay your life down. Not if you feel like it, not if it's convenient. No, this is a requirement of following Christ that we lay our lives down because we know our life is found in him. And if you're not sure about Jesus, I'm gonna make a promise to you. There is no political power. There is no culture. There is no group of people that can bestow worth and value and the security and the safety and the significance that you're looking for. Your worth, your value, your meaning can only be found in the God who made you, the God who loves you, the God who sent his son to die for you, who rose again for you, who's reaching out to you, you might've been looking in all kinds of different places and it's only in Jesus. And I'm just begging you, whether you're watching online or you're here today, I don't care if you've shown up in church your whole life. If your value and worth is not found in Jesus, I wanna encourage you and beg you to put him to the test. Try it for yourself. And if you are, if you said yes to Jesus, Stop looking in every other place and find your life in Him. And when your life is found in Him, give it away. Lift somebody up. Stop being so intent on what you think is right and your opinion and your position and lift somebody up. This is for me too. That we can see God bring revival when we humble ourselves and repent of our sin and seek Him fully and say, God, I need you to do a work. And we can do it because at the end of the day, this is what we know is true, is that God is with us. He's among us. He is for us. He loves you. You matter to him. He wants to see you to experience full and abundant life. If God were here to, to speaking us today, if, if Jesus were on this platform and he was saying from his own words, he would bestow not punishment, not judgment, but blessing because you matter to him. Perhaps if Jesus were standing on this platform today from his own lips, he would say these words from Numbers chapter six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. How our the world longs for peace. You don't have to grasp. It's already given. I'm begging us church to stop grasping and fighting and clawing for our rights. But we would do what is right. I'm tired of every day inside and outside the church, people fighting with one another based on their own worldview and lens. When we have a God who had every right, but he let it go. I dream about what DeSoto County could look like if we lived our lives that way. I dream about what the world would look like if we lived our lives that way. If, if we were not marked by our positions, our politics. Listen, Jesus is not a Democrat or Republican. He's the king. I dream about what our world would look like if Christians lived our lives that way. So I want to pray for you and pray for me. So if you'll stand. And I don't know where you are today. I, I do know this, that you're either experiencing hurt or you're touched by hurt in somebody's life that you're connected to. And we need to hear the words from the Lord, you matter to me. And so if you're here and you're hurting, I just want you to hear those words as if they're from Christ himself, you matter to me. And if you are here and you said yes to Jesus, I want to ask you to, to pray right now as, as we close out, God, who do I need to say those words to? Who needs to hear the words, you matter to God and you matter to me? And I pray that as we leave this place, we will find ourselves rooted in that statement. Because Christ, who was God, did not consider it as something to cling to. But he gave himself for you and for me and all those people out there. So Holy Spirit, speak to us. Uh, move in us right now. God, we're yours. We want to be set free, not to cling to value, but to, to hold on to what you've given. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Christ who gave himself for us while we were still sinners. We didn't deserve it. The king of the universe came down and took on flesh. He didn't just look like a servant. He became a servant. His life was not taken. He gave it. And with his life, it was your resounding message to all the world for all of history that we matter to you. God, please forgive us of our insecurities, of our fears, where we continue to cling to, to what we think we deserve. I pray that we can have an, a posture where we let go and trust you and lift others up. And as we humble ourselves, Lord, we pray for revival. We pray for awakening. We pray for you to heal our land. Pray for you to heal our families and our children and our, our workplaces and our churches. 
our communities. We pray for you to do what only you can do, Lord. We give ourselves to you. We trust you. We, we worship you, Lord. So come and move. God, I pray that as you stir in our hearts, that if there's anyone that you need to do a new work in, that they would humble themselves and pray, that they would bow in their seats or come to these altars and meet with you. And you would begin revival in our own hearts that would overflow and spill out. And we'd see a transformation of our land. For your glory, God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. We pray it in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.